It's that time again. Welcome in to the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzi Nisugin, your host, and we'll be talking to you for the next half hour or so about the Kansas City Chiefs as three preseason games are now in the books. A lot of positives, a lot of negatives, a lot you can take out from these preseason games. To some people, these games matter a lot, and some people, they don't care at all. Uh, look, uh, I mean, this is what we are coming off a very discouraging preseason game in which the Chicago Bears played their backups, and they outplayed the Chiefs in this one. And I think there are some concerns that Chiefs fans should take into account, whether you care about preseason games or not. Uh, not the greatest showing from that tune-up preseason game, as they like to call that third preseason game. So we'll get into all of that in just a moment. I want to let you guys know if you guys want to interact with me, you can do so in a couple of easy ways. Facebook.com slash Farzine That is my Facebook page. Like me on there. Follow me on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 and email me Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Hit the share button as well and let your friends know about the Chief Zone podcast. Matt Connor will be joining us a little bit later on in the podcast to kind of recap some of the preseason so far, what we've seen so far, what hype does he buy into, are are the struggles really bothering him, and talking a little bit about the coaches as well, as a lot of people had some choice of words for Bob Sutton on the Facebook page over the weekend when the Chiefs and Bears played. Uh, Also going to talk a little bit about Andy Reid as well. And then as far as the next episode, we will have an episode out on Tuesday. Very short episode. We will not have the closing segment on this episode, nor on uh, tomorrow's episode, or Tuesday's episode, rather, uh, depending when you're listening to this. Uh, But we'll have that out, and it'll be fairly short, too, because it will be the fourth preseason game, and we'll we'll break things down. I mean, there are some things to look forward to. Uh, but for the most part, uh, pretty much at this point, uh, the coaching staff for all 32 NFL teams, they have an idea of what their starting 22 will look like and who the 22 backups will be. It'll be just those, uh, few extra spots that are going to be up for grabs in the final preseason game, as well as some of the final training camp practices that teams have. Now, you guys know me, I, I, I've talked a lot, and you know, the hardest thing to do about, about this podcast is, during the month of August, you know, how do we recap these preseason games, and, and what do we really go over, what do we avoid talking about, I mean, I mean, what are some things that aren't even worth getting into? Well, it was announced uh, during the week, uh, about a day or so before the game, that the Bears were not going to play their starters in this game. The only quote-unquote starters who would play were the ones who were battling for a starting spot on the team. And that's certainly understandable. The reason the Bears did that is because they have five preseason games if you include the Hall of Fame game. So if you want to look at how an NFL team strategically will approach a preseason with five games, which only two teams will have, certainly will be much different than a team that has four preseason games. And if you remember last year, the Cowboys and the Texans, uh, they had to actually cut their fourth preseason game due to Hurricane Harvey. And, I mean, of course, that always takes precedent over anything else. But from a coaching standpoint, I mean, the show must go on. I mean, at the end of the day, there are some things that need need to be done. Coaches need to trim that roster to, to 53 players. And that makes it hard without that final preseason game. So when you have only three games to really judge off, plus all of your training camp practices, 
uh, you're very limited on, on some of the decisions that uh, you'll be able to make uh, or based on what you have seen in the limited time. But the Bears have had plenty of opportunities to see their guys in, in this game. As a matter of fact, their two quarterbacks, very familiar names, Chase Daniel and Tyler Bray, played for the Bears. So if I'm looking at this from a Bears standpoint, I have to think, you know what, we're putting our our backups out there. Let's just see how they do against an opposing team starters. And if I'm talking from a Chiefs standpoint, which I always am, you just want to see a beatdown. I mean, why would you not expect that? You've got your 22 starters on both sides against 22 backups. And we saw the complete opposite in this game. The Chiefs were losing at halftime 24-10. to And to open up the second half with the starters and the backups still out there, Patrick Mahomes leads Kansas City to a long nine-minute drive that ended at the five-yard line in which the Chiefs were unable to come away with a score. Now, sure, I mean, in the preseason, you'll probably forego certain opportunities to punt or or go for a field goal simply because you'd rather see how your offense does in certain situations. But this was not a very encouraging game for Chiefs fans. Now, how seriously do you take this game? Well, this is supposed to be the tune-up game, and... You know, fans, when when things go wrong in a preseason game, fans tend to just say, hey, it's the preseason, no no reason to, to fuss over it. But I can't sit here and say that when I see Kansas City starting units struggle the way they did against Chicago's backups. And listen, if you're Matt Nagy, you've got to you've got to feel pretty good about it. Now you've got a big problem on your hands and a good problem, by the way. Now that you have 22 backups that outplay 22 starters, you have to figure out, all right, who do we want to keep and who do we let go? Uh, and at this point, you look at some of the players who did well in this game. They probably have some players who are good for trade bait. You look at Niall Davis, and I know he came in very late in the game, but former Chief ran the ball five times for 35 yards. You look at Kansas City, and they didn't have... Uh, anyone close to that? Pat Mahomes ran uh, twice for 11 yards. Chase Litton ran once for nine yards. And your next leader, Kareem Hunt, three carries for seven yards. And I know what people are going to say. These stats don't matter in the preseason. And here's my response to that. If you're going to sit here and make these kinds of excuses and say they don't matter when your team is doing bad, why is it that the other team is doing so well? Because they're in the preseason too. They're in the same mode as us. Oh, by the way, they use 22 backups. So this is not a very encouraging sign. I have to say, uh, in three preseason games, and more so this preseason game than anything else, I'm not very encouraged by what I saw. And I said this last week when the Chiefs kept their starters, or most of their starters on the field, and Atlanta changed uh, some of their personnel to, to, to their backups. And the Chiefs were still being outplayed in, this, in, the, in that game. I'm not exactly sure... At what, what what point do we sit here and stop the it's preseason comment? Because at some point you've got to look at this and say, okay, maybe we do have a, a problem on our hands. Maybe there is a little bit of overhype here. I don't know. Listen, we, we may go into the regular season and see the Chiefs beat the living hell out of the Chargers and everything we're discussing could be irrelevant in two weeks from now. I don't know. But what I do know is that I 
saw the Chiefs starting offense only put up 10 points against Chicago's backups. Chicago's backups outscored Kansas City 24 to 10. I'm not encouraged by that. When I heard that Chicago was going to put their backups in there, I thought, okay, this is not going to be the tune-up game that we all wanted because you want to be tested against another team's starting unit. Uh, I, I certainly was not expecting a beatdown from their backups, but seeing what I saw on, on Saturday afternoon, I'm not too pleased with what I saw. And I know a, lot, a couple of you guys have tweeted me saying, hey, you you know, this is going to be a negative podcast. You're, you're being too negative right now, but I can only talk about what, what we see. And maybe there are some concerns that we're, we're, we're not ready for. Maybe some people have said that maybe Andy Reid's holding back. What is Andy Reid holding back from? I'm not saying open up the playbook and give me every single trick play on there. No, 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 not at all. But what I'm saying is I don't think Andy Reid has anything to necessarily keep a big secret about. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, sure, maybe you have a bit of an advantage with Patrick Mahomes kind of being an unknown in the NFL. And you can look at his college game film and all, but that's college right there. The players that he worked with at the time at Texas Tech, he doesn't have in Kansas City. So Pat Mahomes... What he has to work with is obviously going to be much better and different than what he had as a Red Raider. So you're certainly going to see a different side of him given that he's going to be in a pro-style offense and going to be working with all of these players. So we'll see if the Chiefs are quote-unquote hiding something from there. But I don't think that the Chiefs should be necessarily hiding anything. I think there's an opportunity for the players to show what they're capable of. Not only that, I think the coaching staff needs to prove themselves as well and more specifically Andy Reid. Let's not forget how the Chiefs have ended their past two seasons against Steelers and the Titans in those two playoff games. Not a very pretty ending to those two seasons. And I think Kansas City has a lot to work on rather than hiding things. They they definitely need to figure things out on the offensive side of the football as well as the defensive side. We'll get into that shortly. But uh, I'm, I'm just not too happy with what I saw from the Chiefs on offense. Some positives in this one. Yes, they got their first red zone touchdown this season when Patrick Mahomes threw it to Kareem Hunt for a 19-yard touchdown run, or catch and run, I should say. Uh, Tyreek Hill got involved in this game. In fact, he was very active. Eight catches for 88 yards in this one. Uh, Travis Kelsey also had a couple of catches. Uh, And by the way, Tyreek Hill was targeted eight times in this game, and all eight times he caught the pass uh, Thrown to him, Travis Kelsey also targeted twice and caught both passes at his direction. Marcus Kemp had one catch for 55 yards. Uh, that was, of course, with the uh, backups in that one. But we saw some positive things in this one. Not, not everything was terrible in a complete discouragement, but you definitely were expecting a lot more, especially against 22 backups. This definitely was not the ideal scenario that you would have hoped to see and, and have discussed and have be your main narrative, but I can't say I'm, I'm I'm too confident going into the regular season. I still think this is a team that will finish above 500, but I have to say I'm on the fence as to whether or not this is a double-digit win team. Chiefs fans have been very upset this offseason because there have been a lot of mixed predictions as to who's going to win the AFC West. All four teams have been mentioned as potential winners. 
And people think that this is a wide-open division. And Chiefs fans take offense to that because one reason is the Chiefs are back-to-back champs. The divisional champs, that is. And one thing I do want to, I want people to keep in mind, what happened the past two years has nothing to do with this season. Sure, yeah, there are trends. You know, if someone's winning 10 games, 10 uh, divisional games in a row, you, you certainly will consider that as well. I'm not saying they're completely irrelevant, but... It's, it's it, What happened in 2016 and 2017 don't have anything to do with 2018. The back-to-back divisional wins, they're over. This is a new season now, and you want to make it three straight, but your success in the past won't help you succeed in the future. No, not at all. I mean, those are past seasons, and a lot happens in off-seasons for all 32 teams, especially for the Chiefs this off-season. Everyone knows that for sure. Especially the facelift that we've seen on the defensive side of the football. But offensively speaking, we've seen some positive moments, but we've also seen uh, some negative moments as well. And anytime we've seen a positive moment, more times than not, they've come against the backups. The touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill uh, in Atlanta that that got a lot of attention nationally. And then uh, in this game, the 10 points the Chiefs put up, they were against the backups, and you certainly were expecting more than 10 points. And not only that, the nine-minute drive in the third quarter to start the second half ended at the five-yard line without any kind of a score. So there haven't been a lot of positive things to talk about with this offense. And I'm not quite sure where you guys stand on that. And we'll talk to Matt Connor about that a little later on. Matt Connor from Arrowhead Attic will join us in a few minutes to discuss the Chiefs preseason so far and how much of this we should really take seriously. Uh, here's something that, uh, uh, someone sent to me. I can't remember if this is on Twitter or Facebook. I think it was on Facebook. Someone mentioned that, you know, emotion could be a part of this because we haven't seen football in a long time and more specifically Chiefs football since mid-January. So you get excited when you see Chiefs football back on, on your, on your big screen, in your, in your man cave, your dungeon, wherever you, you watch your, your football. So you'll want to see something because this is your team and it's been a while since you've last seen seen an NFL game. You're more specifically from your favorite team. So that part of it can be pretty challenging and I think there's a valid point to that. But again, I go back to the fact that there are other teams out there that are showing some positive signs. Like the Bears, for example. I know Mitchell Trubisky has not had a very good preseason. I get that. But man, if I'm a Bears fan, I have to feel pretty good seeing that there that twenty. As a matter of fact, a couple of Bears fans who I do know uh, uh, as friends, as well as uh, people who I know who covered the team, they they really just gave this encouraging voice about what they saw on Saturday. So I know Bears fans feel pretty damn good about this about the game they saw over the weekend. And why wouldn't you? 22 backup. Remember when the Chiefs and Chargers played in Week 17 in 2013? Kansas City benched all 22 of their starters because they had the five seed locked up and they were not going to go anywhere else. That, that was the only seed they could have going into the playoffs. So Andy Reid played 22 backups. And they were actually outplaying San Diego. And now they're LA. But they were outplaying San Diego's 22 starters. And they forced overtime in that game. So, yeah, of course you're going to feel great if your backups are going out there and outperforming the opposing team consisting of the starters. 
Looking at the defensive side of the football, man, this was the first time we saw Anthony Hitchens and Reggie Ragland in this game. And by the way, they were the top two leading tacklers in this game. Uh, not just from the Chiefs side of the football, but in the the whole game overall from both teams. Hitchens had seven tackles in this game. Ragland had six tackles. All of them solo tackles for each player, by the way. So they were definitely involved in their first time playing on the field together this preseason. Still, though, Kansas City allowed a lot of yards on the ground, and more specifically, 141 yards on the ground. And you look at Chase Daniel and the kind of day he had, well, he didn't have a whole lot of problems airing it out. Nearly 200 yards passing off 15 completions and got a couple of touchdowns there, 198 yards to be exact. Tyler Brady showed some things as well, five completions for 72 yards. Uh, Kansas City's defense really did allow some big plays in this one. And you look, I believe it was David Amerson. He was torched by Kevin White in this one for a 29-yard touchdown play. Uh, Kevin White's a guy who, by the way, I, I saw Bears uh, media people tweeting this. That was his first touchdown as a Bear if you include regular and preseason games. And they were kind of shocked by that too. And maybe this helped him kind of punch his ticket to a 53-man roster spot this year. I I mean, I don't know. Uh, I know that's not something we're going to look into so much. But uh, defensively speaking, this wasn't very good. Um, Emerson, I mean, the project with him is not working out too well right now. I still think he stays on the team uh, for reasons I've mentioned before. And I'll bring it up again with, with Matt Connor. But overall, this was not a very encouraging sign. What are your thoughts? Are you encouraged? Are you discouraged? We already have a discussion about this on the Facebook page, and I encourage you guys to get on that if you haven't already. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. If you're not on Facebook, you can tweet me at Farzine21 or email me Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Let me know your thoughts. Is everything we're talking about just complete nonsense? Do you take everything that happens in the preseason with a grain of salt, or do you actually... Consider some of the things that are happening on there. Do they matter to you? The preseason is a very hard... It's a crazy science experiment for fans. Because you are tested as a fan. You want to see your team do well. All the time, of course. Uh, If your team goes 0-4 in preseason games and they get shut out in every single one, you can't tell me you're not going to just sit there and say it's a preseason. Deep down inside, you know that is a problem right there, for sure. Look at the uh, Browns and Eagles preseason game. The tune-up game that those two teams had. The Browns won by a score of 5-0. I have never heard of a football game end with that score ever. Now, does this mean that Eagles fans should hit the panic button? No, I, I wouldn't go that far for sure. Uh, zero points against the worst team in the NFL as the reigning Super Bowl champs. Is that a bit of a concern in a preseason game? Yeah, sure, maybe a little bit. And admittedly, I'm not, I am not. I don't know exactly what's been going on with Philadelphia this preseason, but surely they've had to show some signs. I know Nick Foles suffered a shoulder uh, injury, but Carson Wentz is coming back, which is a positive sign for Eagles fans. Uh, but it's not like they, the, they allowed the Browns to light up the scoreboard or anything like that. Let me know your thoughts on everything that I just said. Uh, Let me know your thoughts on how you feel about preseason games in general and more specifically how the Chiefs are doing this preseason.
Joining us now on the Chief Zone podcast, as uh, mentioned a couple of times this month leading up to it, he's become a friend of the podcast. He's been on here a couple of times. Uh, one of the editors are over at arrowheadaddict.com uh, and a website that I write for, Matt Connor, joining us here right now on the Chief Zone podcast. Matt, appreciate you coming back. Have you been? I mean, what, are, what are your thoughts on this preseason so far in general? I, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing well and, and glad to be on, by the way. And, um, you know, I, I think all of us, we just always tend to react and then overreact, uh, you know, whether it's the heights of the Patrick Mahomes hype or just the abysmal feeling in all of our collective stomachs about the secondary, you know, I, I, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to know what to feel, but we're feeling all of the things. Yeah, let's get right into it. And before I do that, I want to let everyone know, if you guys want to follow Matt on Twitter, you can do so. Twitter.com slash AA. That's his Twitter handle. Go give him a follow. And Connor is spelled C-O-N-N-E-R. I have to spell that every time, Matt, because uh, you're familiar with Connor McGregor, but his first name is spelled C-O-N-O-R. Did you know that? I did. I did. He's he's a pretender. So uh, yeah, he's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. But I always want to spell that because... Uh, I mean that that name can be spelled in many ways, but but yours is the correct way, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. H- handed down from from wherever the the all good and correct things are handed down from. <laughs> Certainly, fair enough, uh, Matt. Here's my thing because when Sammy Watkins was catching, he was making those one handed grabs in OTAs and training camp, and Pat Mahomes throws interceptions. When the good things happen in practices. Everyone's excited. People are retweeting the gifts. They're they're happy with what they're seeing. But when it comes to those interceptions, the the woes, uh, and look, even this past uh, week against the Chicago Bears, the the Chiefs starters got outplayed by the backups for the Bears. And some people want to say it's just the preseason and there's no reason to get up in all arms about it. But look, I mean, it's not a very encouraging sign either. At the same time, and that's not to say the Chiefs will have a terrible season. I mean, you never know with these things. I know you talked about reaction and overreaction and whatnot. Where do you lie on these kinds of things, the excitement in, in practices and in preseason games and the, the woes that you see in those in those instances? Yeah, you bring up a really interesting point um, in terms of some things we could have seen ahead of time and other things we can't see. So even earlier today I went back and was looking at General Chiefs Twitter right before last year's decimation of the Patriots, right? And no one was was that excited about the Chiefs. You know, like people were saying, we should win, we should win quite a bit, but the schedule looks daunting, if you remember, and Spencer Ware goes down, and then Steven Nelson goes down, and there's a general, like, we still have Alex Smith, and we're not playing the, the new kid yet. And so there was, like, there, like no one saw coming this like Kareem Hunt devastating blow and the embarrassment in Foxborough of the Super Bowl champs. So in some ways, you know, you want to remind yourself, gosh, heading into a season, we don't know what we're talking about. We don't know what the coaches are really looking for in, in terms of what they're putting on the field and, and the performances we see and what they're trying to get out of those, etc. And I say all that to say this too, though, I just, um, in, in looking back, I came across an, an article that I wrote a year ago commenting that it was the oldest that the Chiefs have ever been 
in Andy Reid's tenure. And if you look back, like the Chiefs did look old and slow. And and so it's like in some ways last year you could have seen some of these things coming, that the, that the defense was getting far too old um, to really be able to succeed, and then, and, then they, and then they fall apart in the playoffs. At the same time, no one could have seen like that Patriots game coming. So it makes me wonder, what are the things that we should be seeing now that we'll look back and say, we knew it all along? And then what are the other things that are hyped or, or that we're crying foul over that we're going to end up going, never saw that, didn't even matter? You make a great point, actually, in fact, that that Patriots game. I mean, look, I, I like to brag and, and say that I thought that, that that I predicted a win for that game. I predicted a one point win for that game. I was not expecting a 21 to nothing shutout in the fourth quarter. And yeah, everyone, of course, knows the story from that. Uh, I just think, you know, with these games and I've said this on the podcast a couple of times this month, the hardest part about doing this podcast is always the month of August because I have to recap what happens, and I mean, look, the Chiefs went 4-0 in the preseason a couple of years ago, and I remember some stat out was thrown out there that the only two times the Chiefs were um, 4-0 were the same years they went to the Super Bowl. Hey, look, come on, there's no real correlation with that. There just isn't. Um, and listen, the, the two years that the Browns and Lions went 0-16, they were both 4-0 in their preseason, so uh, it is kind of a hard line to draw. I'm curious, from what you've seen so far from Patrick Mahomes, where's your confidence level with him going into the regular season? I I feel as confident as the Chiefs coaches sound confident, which is very confident. I I feel like he has taken on everything they've wanted him to do. He's experimented and, and stretched himself in the preseason. We've all seen it. Um, I think the single best thing I've ever heard about Mahomes from the coaching staff. And this is something that even Cliff Kingsbury told me um, right when he was coming out of Texas Tech. I talked to his college coach, and he said the same thing, that Mahomes is a learner and, and doesn't um, doesn't make the same mistakes. Like he's able to, okay, learn from his experiences and move on. And Andy Reid says he doesn't make the same mistake twice. And so, I, you know, I if if that is true, you, you know, then, then – um, I just think I think the Chiefs have a total winner. We've, we've seen him get better and better and better. Um, although I think all of us, even as good as he looked, um, and he certainly put up, you know, the, like the numbers look great, the performance looked great. He's got he's got a great arm. He's limiting his mistakes. The further we get into training camp and preseason, um, and, and yet, you know, I just wish it would have been Kyle Fuller out there. Um, and the rest of the, you know, I wish it was Roquan Smith out there and the rest of the Bears defense versus – the twos, like like that, gives me a little bit of pause. But uh, but overall, I would say I'm 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 very confident in in Mahomes, and I think the Chiefs' offense is going to be uh, really something to behold this year. I spoke to a uh, scout uh, earlier this summer uh, by the name of Dan Shanka. He he runs a great website, uh, ourlads.com, and uh, he's very well known for the depth charts that he creates on his website. And I'm looking at that right now, and and one of the things that I asked Dan, I said, uh, if he feels like this is the best offense that a quarterback could walk into, and, and he says this is probably the best any quarterback, any, a situation any QB has walked into since Aaron Rodgers when he replaced Brett Favre in Green Bay, 
because uh, you look at what you have around you, two speedsters and Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins, and I remember Pro Football Focus put a set out there that these guys were respectively one and two uh, against uh, off coverage in the NFL last season. You've got probably the best tight end not named Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey, and it's a very it's very close right behind Gronk. And of course, you know you have the league uh, leading rusher in Kareem Hunt, but any running back does well under Andy Reid's offense. Uh, I mean, what kind of a start are you expecting from Mahomes? Because I think with all of the hype and, and looking at the first four games, the Chiefs are going up against some great defenses and some really good pass rushing duos. I can see Mahomes struggling a little bit to start the, se- the start the season, uh, but I think he'll get better as the season goes on. Do you think that's the kind of uh, season that he'll kind of have to start off? I do. I do. I, I very much agree with you on on a couple key points there. Um, one, I think the way the Chiefs look from week one to week four is going to be radically different than the team that we see down the stretch in December from weeks 13 to 17. Um, this team is very young. This team has not played together a lot. Um, you know, the offensive line um, has to come together in the middle. Mahomes um, and, and Morse have to get on the same page. Bringing Watkins into the fold uh, – uh, everyone is still so young, too. I, I just think the Chiefs are going to look radically different, and, and by that I mean better down the stretch. But I also think, too, like you just mentioned what, what Dan said about, like this could be the best offense that a new quarterback has ever has ever had to work with from the beginning. But I think in two years we're going to see how much better this offense really was around Mahomes because, because everyone is still so young. So... Like, like I think in a year or even two, I think Tyreek Hill will be mentioned alongside Julio Jones and, and Antonio Brown as the best wide receiver in the game, like just without without anything attached to it. Not for a speedster, not for someone smaller. I just, I just, I think he is the best. And uh, I think Kareem Hunt and the way that he breaks tackles and and as he gets better and better in in, in his on-field vision and pass catching. Uh, I, I just think some of these things, some of these other guys are going to develop. So I, I'm saying that to say, as good as it sounds now to have Tyreek and Kareem around you, I think when NFL history looks back and says, wow, Mahomes had Hunt and Hill and Watkins and Kelsey all around him, I think that will only even look better the further they all develop together. Defensively speaking, man, I – I mean, there have not been a lot of encouraging signs. Lots of missed tackles, a lot of yards given up. We saw Anthony Hitchens and Reggie Ragland play for the first time, but not a lot of encouraging signs. And again, it's just one game. I mean, maybe it'll take them a while to to play well together, but so far from what we've seen, not, not very good. Another newcomer worth mentioning, David Amerson. He has not looked good at all in the preseason so far, and I've seen a lot of Chiefs fans saying that they want him cut. And here's my thing. I, I, everyone's allowed to have their opinion on that, but if you want someone cut... Who do you want in place of him? Because realistically speaking, there is nobody else. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to put uh, the the rookie uh, from the sixth round, Traymon Smith, in there? I mean, it's it's only going to get worse. I think this is the best that you will have, and Kansas City's best might not be great. Steven Nelson's been great. I feel like he's the only bright spot with the starting unit defensively. Uh, I know Eric Berry has yet to play because of a sore heel, but gosh, th- this defense, uh, one that I have been predicting will do well, I've got. I've, I've got to say, I've been actually very discouraged by them so far. Yeah, I, I don't. Did you did you see uh, Hitchens um, play even in this Bears game? Because there were just 
some real miscues at certain moments, and I'm just looking, thinking of the price tag on this new inside linebacker, and just thinking, "Gosh, we've we've got to look sharper than this, better than this." I, I mean, I think he can, I think he can fare much better. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm worried about a number of spots on the roster. I, you know, I, I don't think the the Amerson thing is really working out according to plan, and I think, I think the signing of Scandrick shows just that too. I think the Chiefs are are kind of throwing a lot of low-cost options at the wall and or, you know, roster hopefuls at the wall, hoping something sticks. And, gosh, I just have to think, I mean, does this not feel like last year? You had a bunch of guys hoping one or two of them work out. They drain it, uh, you know, in the offseason, let five or six of them go, bring in a whole new crop of five or six, and, gosh, you know, are we going to see another five or six leave this next offseason because it didn't work out again? You know, it's funny because you mentioned last year everything with defensively. This is a defense that did not do very well against some of the high-powered teams. But when it came to teams like the Jets, they or excuse me, um, uh, the Giants rather, they held the Giants to nine points in four quarters. Now, of course, they allowed a, a field goal in overtime, but in four quarters, I feel like that defense did their job as bad as they had been for all of last year. Uh, I, I think there were a couple of other games where they managed to limit opposing offenses from lighting up the scoreboard despite allowing so many yards, but they, they've done that for a long time, and I feel like that got exposed more last year, especially during that losing streak that the Chiefs had in the middle of the season. Uh, but, but man, I, I feel like Justin Houston and D Ford, I know a lot of people want to bring up the positives. Justin Houston, once a big-name pro bowler, once at 22 sacks, close to breaking that single-season record, and D Ford at one point... Uh, he had, what, 10 or 11 sacks uh, within half a season at one point led the league, something we had been waiting for for such a long time because he backed up uh, Tom Bahali and Justin Houston for so many years. Now we're finally seeing him play a lot more. And last year, of course, dealt with that injury, but uh, this is an important year for D4. Do you see this pass rushing duo improving, or do you think there's an opportunity for passing yo and uh, for, for the top draft pick this year, Breland Speaks, to maybe get some playing time in place of Ford? I do. I, I think it's only a matter of time before D Ford is relegated to situational pass rusher. Uh, you know, they took uh, Passanio knowing he would need at least a year, but gosh, he's looking much, much better this year. And, and I think with a few games under his belt, even by midseason, I think he's going to be the guy they envisioned him to be. And then if you remember when they took Breland Speaks, Brett Beach said very quickly, he said, hey, this is a guy that's going to play immediately, and I think he can play three downs. So I think I think Veach came into this draft looking for gimme physical NFL-ready guys right now, and then you have that in Houston, you have that in Speaks. If Passigno is ready, then that means that Ford is going to have to be really on his game to even like get and stay on the field. So I think in the beginning it is going to be Ford and Houston. That's the you know those are the starting guys. They've 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 earned that. They have the most experience. But um, I, the young guys are really really on the verge of being ready to play and play early. And so um, yeah, that actually has me very hopeful to have to have four guys who are all still young or in their prime. Uh, you know, vying for that. I think competition is going to bring the best out of them, and I think the best two or three are really going to make their presence felt. 
Yeah, there are a lot of new faces on this team. Uh, I mean, you you look at the, the defense right now, who the starting 11 could be. Half of them were not even starting in week one last year, and that includes Reggie Ragland. He was on the team, but didn't play last year in that season opener uh, in Foxborough. And, you know, I'll even throw Eric Berry in this one. Uh, yeah, he did play in week one, but obviously he missed the entire season. So uh, it, it really does feel like a different defense. A lot of these guys we didn't even see last year, or they didn't start a year ago this time. And it definitely, it's definitely getting a facelift. And a lot of people aren't too confident with Bob Sutton. And people are just on him a little bit, which is funny because locally the tre- the the discussion is, hey, this guy needs to go. He needs to be fired. Yet I listen to uh, a lot of national radio as well, ESPN, uh, Sirius XM, Fox Sports. And a lot of these former coaches and players, they have a lot of positive things to say about Bob Sutton. And they feel like he is the right guy for this job as a defensive coordinator of the Chiefs. Where do you stand with him as the defensive coordinator of the team? Because I know for years people have been criticizing him, especially last season. Do you agree with the criticism? Uh, no, I don't. No, I, I, I think Sutton is a decent scapegoat. I, I think if I think if he were really the problem, they would have gotten rid of him. I, I think that. Um, I, I mean, I, I think Andy Reid is friendly, but I don't think he's that friendly that he would employ a friend at you know at um, you know at the teams. Um, you know, to the team's demise or whatever. I, I just think the whole idea is silly. So, I, you know, I mean, I mean, I get frustrated when I see Justin Houston dropping the coverage so much. So, you know, it's it's not like I don't see what some others see and say, like, what are we doing here? But I but I think in some ways Bob Sutton has had to work with some um, roster holes that he's been given and saying, hey, do what you can with this. And when young guys don't come through the way that they are supposed to or develop in that way, or when you're dealing with significant injuries, like losing Eric Berry, uh, you know, losing Eric Berry is going to alter the whole defense and make everyone look bad. And if your young guys aren't stepping up, you know, which they didn't, um, then a coordinator has to adjust, and suddenly players are not being employed where they, you know, would normally be at their best. And, uh, you know, if it looks makeshift, it's because it is makeshift. That's not necessarily on Sutton. That's just on the state of the team as as it turned out. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think every coach would admit we got to do some things better. Andy Reid has said that. Bob Sutton has said that. But, but yeah, I, I, you know, Sutton would be out of a job if he wasn't the man for the job. And I think it's that simple. Final question before I let you go. You know, my, my biggest thing is this is going to come down to how Andy Reid runs his football team. Yeah, sure. We, we can go on and on about this defense and, and some of the questions we have and concerns, as well as, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, is he going to be able to live up to the hype? How long will his progress take to, to get up to the level that we expect him to be at? Uh, we can talk about all, that all we want, but I think at the end of the day, you know, some of the, some of those key playoff losses against the, the, the Colts, the Steelers, the Titans, I mean, that, that those really fall on Andy Reid's shoulders, I think, uh, because of the play calling. I, th- I think that's a big reason for that. Uh, I, I really do think it comes down to how Andy Reid runs his football team. I, I think he's really going to be the biggest X factor for the team this year. How confident are you with this team under Andy Reid and, and knowing that he's still going to be calling the play call, the, the, the plays this year? Yeah, I'm. I'll, I will probably depart from you on this one because I just I'm a huge Andy Reid fan. Uh, you know, I think I think he's the man for the job. I'm not in any way deterred by um, playoff success or lack of it. Um, I think he puts the Chiefs 
in a position to win and to win often. And and uh, I think any time you have um, such a uh, consistent ticket to the postseason, um, I think anything is possible in that postseason. So I know his history, certainly I wish it were different. We all wish it were different. Um, but for me, he's a coach that gets you there, and I think once you're there, anything is possible. And I've just been through so many seasons with coaches who couldn't even get us there that, hey, if Andy Reid can punch the postseason ticket four out of every five years, I'm going to take that and just bank on one of those years being the magical year when everything goes right um, in terms of injuries and performance like you know, like we've seen. I, I certainly do agree with you. I, I mean, the, Andy Reid's the right guy to be the head coach here, and uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of his as well. It's just uh, keep in mind in all five seasons the Chiefs have finished above 500. We have not had that in a head coach uh, before in Chiefs history. All five years to be above 500. And on top of that, back to back AFC West champions. That's never happened before in Chiefs history either. I just feel like in, in some of the biggest moments at the big stages, that's where maybe he tends to. Not not do his job as well. I, I think that's what I'm really po- poking at the most. I, I mean, do, do you get that standpoint, or do you still disagree with that at the end of the day? Well, yeah, I probably would disagree. I mean, I mean, I don't disagree with um, you know. Gosh, I mean, how do you watch? You know, you know, Derrick Henry is going to run. I like like watching Derrick Henry then run over the Chiefs with the lead. Um, you know, late in the game. I mean, it was like it was. You're just watching the comeback that you knew would happen, or like that Colts meltdown. It's like how how does that even mathematically happen with the amount of time left? And I mean, it, like, yeah, I mean that stuff just haunts a franchise. So I totally get it, and and uh, and I think Reed has owned those mistakes for sure. Um, you know, I, I I just think I just think if you replace him, I don't want to replace him with magical thinking that a brand-new head coach is even going to get us to the playoffs. I, I just think I think good, consistent, winning head coaches are so hard to find. Um, and, and, you know, the Eagles, you know, they win the Super Bowl with Doug Peterson, and that makes everyone freak out, like, oh, my gosh, he, you know, we let him go and whatever. But, but I just think that's just not the case most of the time. And, um, and so if you have something proven, I, you know, I, I have a hard time um, thinking it's, it's better without him. No, I, you know what's funny is I've I've had people send me tweets saying we should have kept Doug Peterson. That was the year Andy Reid went one and five and had this team win eleven in a row, including the first playoff game in twenty two years. You you cannot justify firing a guy for an offensive coordinator on your own team. I mean, there was just no way to that that move would have made no sense at the time. Yeah, sure, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl, but let's be honest. When Carson Wentz went down, there was no way anyone thought that they would still win a Super Bowl. And that's not nothing against Doug Peterson. I think he deserves a lot of credit. But to, to I've seen a lot of Chiefs fans make that uh, argument. And I just feel like there is no argument. that You cannot justify that move at all. And that would have looked really weird on the Chiefs end. But no, I, I mean, I, I like Andy Reid. I really do. Uh, I, I He's got to get over that hump at some point, you would think. So, yeah, yeah. Hopefully it happens at some point. This year, but we will certainly see. Matt, uh, I know I said one last question, but uh, you know, I, I'm, of course, writing for Arrowhead Attic. I know you've got a big uh, project that you're compiling. Uh, let us know what's going on with the website and with the preseason winding down. What can fans expect from the website, from yourself and other writer, writers coming up uh, on ArrowheadAttic.com? Yeah, we're putting together our um, – we have like a big community project where we're going to be projecting the 53 
man roster with all of our writers. So um, hopefully we'll get a better sense with a, with a large scale group of opinions, kind of what the chiefs may do. Um, not just looking through one person's lens. Uh, we have an interview with Willie, uh, with Willie Rove coming up, looking at the season. Um, and then, yeah, we're just, uh, you know, we're doing probably what a lot of people will be doing, which is um, putting our two cents in on what we see with the Chiefs this year and uh, and what we hope will happen. All right, definitely looking forward to it. If you want to check all of that out, arrowheadaddict.com. Follow Matt on Twitter, AA on Twitter. Matt, appreciate you joining us here on the podcast. We will definitely keep in touch and uh, have you back on uh, very soon. Sounds good. Always good to join you. Thanks. All right. Appreciate it, Matt. Off he goes. There he is, Matt Connor of ArrowheadAddict.com. One thing I will say that we didn't uh, touch on, and I haven't even mentioned this, a lot of people were kind of frustrated with Sammy Watkins uh, not doing much in the preseason. I mean, first of all, he didn't play in the first game. Second game uh, had, had a couple of drops there. This one, though, he finally did make his first catch for 15 yards in the preseason. was targeted four times, uh, though. So, uh, Sammy Watkins, and again, I'm not going to go too crazy over this. And I'll, I'll mention this story. I brought this up when we had Matt Derrick on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. I still remember Tyreek Hill's fourth preseason game. He had three drops in that game. Uh, by, by the way, this was when he was a rookie, by the way. The, the week four of, of, of that um that preseason, his rookie year in 2016, Tyreek Hill dropped the ball three times. He dropped three catches in that game. And I thought to myself, I don't see how this guy stays with the team. He's already, He's got the incident that he's got surrounding him. People are thinking of that. And the Chiefs mentioned that, hey, look, just because we drafted him doesn't mean we're going to keep him automatically. He's got to prove that he's in, a, in the right place and he's going to do the right things. Uh, and I mean that's one thing that we had no idea how, how how that process was was going exactly. But as far as what was going on on the field that preseason, I, I didn't see a lot of positive signs from Tyreek Hill. And he made the football team. Not only that, he had the first touchdown of the season for the Chiefs in that comeback win they had in Week One against the Chargers. So you know that, sure, maybe some of the statistics and some of the performances might not be too great, but eventually you'll see a different side of that player. Heck, I, I've been saying all along, I, I, I'm picking Tyreek Hill as my uh, MVP for this season for the team. The guy who's going to end up getting the Derek Thomas Award. I think it's going to be Tyreek Hill. So there, there are those moments right there where maybe you do feel discouraged. And I think we got to consider the other side of the coin, too. You know, how much of it are we just, is it really the preseason? Uh, but we still want to see something, right? Everyone does. I mean, they don't just have these games and just say, hey, do whatever you want. You you need to test some things out and see what can you do with this football team. I mean, the interceptions with Mahomes, uh, not that it happened in this game, but we've seen it in, uh, we saw it in the Falcons game, and uh, we, we've heard a lot about it a lot in practice. Not so much lately, which tells me hopefully he's improving, and we can see. A better version of Mahomes. Uh, and listen, if the Chiefs go three and one to start the season, or four and zero, that tells me Mahomes is probably way ahead of the curve than maybe I had anticipated. Because I do think there's maybe too much hype for him. That's what I think right now. We'll see how all of that goes soon. We'll start getting some answers in less than two weeks. Believe it or not, less than two weeks, thirteen days away, the Chiefs and Chargers will kick off their seasons on September the 9th. 
Can't come soon enough. Uh, this preseason game coming up, not a whole lot to get into. Uh, everyone just wants that game to to take place, to happen, wrap it up, and you've got 10 days to get ready for Los Angeles. So definitely some things to look forward to as we inch closer and closer to the regular season. A big thanks to Matt Connor from Arrowhead Addict for joining us on the podcast. Also, a big thanks to you guys for listening to the podcast. Appreciate you guys making the Chiefstone Podcast part of your day, whether it's at work, during your workout, at home, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Appreciate you guys making the podcast part of your day. And make sure you spread the word. Let your friends know. Share it on social media. Hit that share button on iTunes and Google Play. If you haven't already, give me a like on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Farzin Follow me on Twitter at Farzin21. And send me an email as well. Farzin at FarzinVesugian.com. Appreciate you guys downloading and listening to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow, Tuesday, for a much shorter episode. We'll talk about the preseason so far who do we expect will play the most in that Packers game under center for the Chiefs? Uh, and also, who are some players who could be surprise cuts for the Chiefs? And who are some players who could surprise us and make the 53-man roster? We'll do some predictions on that tomorrow, as well as any other news and notes that do come up. Not going to be a very long podcast, but we'll discuss that later on. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Talk to you guys tomorrow.